Welcome to the Chrisman Commentary Daily Mortgage News Podcast. I'm your host, Robbie Chrisman. Topics on today's episode include Sofer versus Liber, my interview with Mark Walser on the latest in the appraisal space, and a look at conforming versus jumbo rates. Thanks to EarnUp, an award-winning, consumer-first technology payments platform with a mission to create a financial system that can work for everyone. With EarnUp, lenders can engage borrowers post-origination to elevate customer experience and brand loyalty. There's a splendid joke about the definition of an economist being someone who will know tomorrow why the things they predicted yesterday didn't happen today. Everyone's warning everyone about everything these days. Recessions, housing collapses, overnight rates near 5%. The bigger the prediction, the bigger the headlines. But remember, no one has a crystal ball. One thing for sure, though, is that even with the increase in both short and long-term rates, independent mortgage banks are seeing even less revenue. For example, their warehouse line costs have gone up. Optifunders Mike McFadden noted... Although every contract is different, with different covenants, with the migration from LIBOR, most warehouse lenders have resorted to some sort of secure overnight financing rate, or SOFR, as the reference rate. Each warehouse lender, however, has resorted to different terms or sources of SOFR. In general, many warehouse lines are based on a spread to the overnight SOFR, which is a short-term rate closely impacted by the Fed's actions, and this spread varies materially based on lender. But the base rate has gone from around 5 or 6 basis points a month 6 months ago to over 300 basis points as of last week. Meaning that for many independent mortgage banks, the effective cost of borrowing has increased by 295 basis points in 6 months. Speaking of rates, HELOCs are a big topic these days, despite the run-up in the index rates. But jumbo non-conforming, non-agency, non-QM... Although this general product is still the minority of production, loan originators need these products in order to help clients either refinance their existing homes, especially for self-employed borrowers, or purchase a new home. And while we're on the topic of rates, the question occasionally comes up about why jumbo rates are less than conforming rates. The basic answer is that jumbo loans do not have a 52 basis point, or about half a percent, guarantee or guarantor fee, G fee, attached to each loan. The G fee is firmly in the domain of FHFA's Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac. For today's interview, I wanted to welcome back to the show Mark Walser, president of InCenter Appraisal Management. Mr. Walser joined IM in 2020 and is a 12-year industry veteran with deep expertise across all areas of appraisal management, including technology and operations, appraiser network development, marketing and branding, client service, and business development. He combines a customer-centric approach to appraisal management with building an environment of respect and reciprocation for appraisers and is focused on making in-center appraisal management a preferred AMC among lenders by instituting groundbreaking technology, 24-hour appraiser pay, and an unparalleled service organization. So I'm very happy to have you back on the show. We've talked several times about remote virtual inspections as it relates to appraisal, but we just had one of the worst natural disasters in history hit the country in the form of Hurricane Ian. And lenders and servicers are in a scramble right now to understand what's happening on the ground and get inspections completed. Uh, the traditional process is taking weeks or in some cases can't happen at all. Can you explain how that technology might be able to help a lender or servicer in this situation? 
Yes, absolutely. I think, um, you know, first of all, our thoughts and prayers with everyone impacted by Hurricane Ian. And we want to make sure, obviously, that we're, we're helping our lenders uh, get their, their homeowners <clears throat> and property owners the help they need as fast as possible. In many cases, uh, when a disaster like this strikes, not only is the area accessible, there's no power, there's no internet, something like that. Law enforcement will often not allow inspector inspectors or appraisers or any other you know professional to come into the community sometimes for weeks after the event the only people they will ever let in once it's immediately safe are emergency personnel and responders and the homeowners uh, the homeowners can typically go back to see what's left right and pick up the pieces uh, and that's where you need to get the help to them as quickly as possible so the virtual inspection tech allows us to connect with that homeowner because even when there's no power, no internet, uh, they're always, they always have a phone and that phone is, is their lifeline. So we can do the virtual inspections for the CDAIR, the catastrophic disaster inspection reports, uh, or for similar, similar inspection products like lost draft or insurance. Uh, and we can do all of that without having to physically send an inspector there. We just use them and their phone and we can take over their phone and just have them point it at the, the home, take pictures of it, ask them questions, get a signature, and and really get that lender uh, back that report as quickly as possible. In many cases, hours, uh, but usually no more than a day or two. Let's dive a little deeper into the technology. How fast is this inspection process and how does it ensure veracity? Right. So the first thing we do, of course, when we connect on a virtual inspection through someone's cell phone is we're utilizing the GPS chipset in their phone to pinpoint their location. So we have their GPS coordinates pulling up and we also have obviously the time and date stamp. And every time we remotely take a picture, our inspectors do, that timestamp and that metadata is put onto the picture. So there's geotags of what's uh, where they are. Uh, when they are, right? And we can also see the property live and in real time. And that's the other, uh, I think, benefit of this. Uh, there are some, to contrast this with some other you know, technologies that are out there that may attempt to put the, the uh, onus of taking pictures on the homeowner, right? And have them sort of self, you know, take pictures and then and then send it back to you. The veracity of having an inspector whose eyes are on it and able to see everything live in real time, talk to the homeowner and not have the homeowner have to worry about learning how to use an app, that that really adds that layer of arm's length veracity uh, for a lender, a servicer, an insurance company. They can really see that the inspector is the one who viewed that damage live on the date, the inspection. Uh, and, you know, similarly, you talked about speed uh, because our inspectors are doing all of this and the person doesn't have to download an app in this case. It doesn't have to learn how to use one. We just connect to them with a text message. They click the link. It launches the virtual inspection and we're, we're on. We're going. Uh, usually most of these inspections take five to ten minutes. We typically take exterior pictures, street scene pictures, pictures of damage. Um, we know we have them uh, snap a picture of an ID, such as a license, just so we have verification of who that person is. And that all goes into the report. We ask them questions, which our inspector then just fills out checkboxes. And then we have them sign on their phone as well. And that's just a, a form creation that occurs within the technology. And what other ways do you see virtual inspections impacting parts of the mortgage process? 
Well, obviously, anytime you need eyes on property for any reason, right, whether it's insurance or disaster like this, uh, and of course, on the appraisal side, you're uh, you're going to see uh, you're going to see the virtual inspection, I think, become more and more popular. Um, particularly, I'm, I'm unfortunately we're not probably done with disasters uh, this year, and uh, they seem to be a repeatable cycle of hurricanes, floods, fires, and tornadoes that that appear to hit us uh, on a yearly basis. So, having this technology in your arsenal, if you are a mortgage lender, is is definitely a very smart move and one that can future proof you against you know being stuck for weeks and not able to get uh, you know get a loan or or servicing or insurance claim moving forward. Um, I also see virtual inspections obviously on the appraisal side as we have been doing them with uh, remote desktops. Uh, but you're also going to see now with the upcoming PDR and PDC, there are scenarios that are unfolding in the future where virtual inspection could potentially be applied to that process too, uh, to allow for faster scale and faster collection of data. So uh, I think we're just at the beginning, it, already very useful and very tactical uses of this technology right now existing. But as we go forward in the next couple of years, I think you'll see appraisers using it more too to oversee their their trainees and also expand their coverage and how much they can do. I think in rural uh, rural loans uh, where you have you have folks that are in very rural areas that don't have a lot of service providers, this virtual inspection technology will be a godsend and change the um, the way that those people interact with with these types of data collection. Uh, they don't have to wait so long, spend so much money. Gas is expensive. <laughs> you, know, you can cut all of that out for both the service provider as well as for your consumer. Let's talk a little more about the Remote Val virtual appraisal product. How does the virtual inspection differ from your Remote Val virtual appraisal product? And are there instances where Remote Val should be used in a disaster inspection versus the regular virtual inspection technology? Yeah, great question. So the difference, a remote valve versus this remote virtual disaster inspection we've been talking about, on these non-appraisal inspection products, no apps are needed. We can literally use the browser that's built into their iPhone or Android phone. So the learning curve is extremely low. The, the text message hits. The consumer, whether they've used this technology before or not, I mean, as long as they know how to take a picture with their phone, we're in the game. We, so they just simply click the link launch the inspection through their browser, nothing to download, and you, you're just talking with the inspector instantly and you go. In the case of RemoteVal, uh, which is the appraisal variant of that product, there is an app associated with that. It's a very lightweight, very fast app to download from the app stores. That's the one difference. You do have to download the app. The reasons for that are because RemoteVal also has the ability to measure, right? There's a, a remote scanning, a 3D scanning built into it that will actually measure the home and generate a floor plan. So for that to work in the current environment and with the current phones, you need to have an app that's really controlling that and bringing the extra horsepower needed to create that part of the process. So that's the primary differences in the two, the remote valve being the appraisal product, the inspection product, not needing the app. When you go into then where could you use remote valve in a disaster inspection, there is a scenario where um, an appraiser may need to go back and do a 1004 disaster update. Uh, on the on the 1004 form, when that happens, and they're going to want to use the remote valve product to do that, just in case they need to do additional verifications, uh, measure anything, or what have you. So that product has really been designed to output onto the 
the appraisal forms specifically. So if we have an instance where an appraiser is called upon to do an update to a, a property that went through a disaster that they might have previously appraised, that's where you'll see them use remote val. <clears throat> and, and those products will be a little bit more expensive as well, uh, just because the appraiser is involved in them. In the case of a virtual disaster inspection, for example, we flat rate those at uh, $85 for an exterior plus damage uh, in virtually every part of the country. So there's no there's no variable cost there. As long as the person's available with the phone, we can do it, right? So it's a lot cheaper. That's the, the primary differences. And before I let you go, since the last time we spoke, what's been going on in the appraisal space? Uh, anything anything noteworthy or, or things you'd like to share? Yeah, I think probably the 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 biggest updates right now are that uh, you know Fannie Mae is uh, is is starting in on uh, on their their PDC process in a much more formal way, which is exciting. So this is the property data collection that we've already seen popularized and and starting to be used now on the Freddie Mac side, which is called their their PDR or ACE PDR product. Um, and so when we see the, uh, the, the Fannie Mae version of that, uh, potentially coming, uh, uh, sometime in the next, uh, uh, the next little while here, that's going to be exciting too, because then there will be an opportunity for the data collection to be applied across both GSEs in a very similar manner, supporting waivers and supporting hybrids as well. So, uh, there's also been a resurgence, uh, in the desktop as well. Um, I think the, I think there's a, there was a little bit of a, uh, a little bit of a period here for the last 60 to 90 days, probably, which I'm sure you're familiar with, where the lenders were really trying to tighten the tighten down and batten the hatches on what was happening in the market. I've seen that smooth out a little bit now. And uh, a lot of lenders are now looking back toward desktops and hybrids and other types of virtual appraisals and recognizing that this is the time for them to invest in those products. Right now, we have appraisers calling us when was the last time that happened? That was like three years ago, right? We were, we were trying to place orders with appraisers and get anybody to take orders over the last three years because uh, we were so busy. Now appraisers are actually calling us. We're, we're able to do very, very fast turn times, both on regular appraisal products as well as virtual appraisal products. But I like to tell lenders, this is the time to invest in it. You, you want to order these virtual products now. While appraisers have the attention span and the time to learn the technology and use it so that when we come back into 2023 and there is an uptick of activity or lowering of rates or a strong purchase market, as is anticipated to be be the case, you know, we don't want to go back to appraisers, you know, going right back to that that really busy time when they're overwhelmed and they suddenly your turn times are back to eight or nine or 10 days and you can't get anybody to pick up an order be so much better if a lot of those appraisers are able to use desktops and lenders are, are ordering them. So this would definitely be my encouragement to the industry who and any lenders who are listening to this podcast is, you know, work with companies like us, work with your vendors, figure out how to get desktops, hybrids, and, and the other types of products up and running now, while everyone in the industry has the time and attention to focus on it so that you're not caught flat footed next year when the tide comes back in. Well said. Mark, thanks for making the time today. Yeah, thank you, Robbie. Appreciate it. Hope everyone stays safe out there. Remember when, for several months, the Federal Reserve would describe inflation as transitory? Those were the days. We don't have another FOMC meeting until November 1st and 2nd, but the minutes released last week from the Federal Open Market Committee's September meeting highlighted policymakers' expectations of their tight monetary policy stance 
would lead to cooler labor markets and higher unemployment. Their desire to restrict monetary policy further until they are certain inflation has meaningfully declined back to 2%, even in the face of a mild recession that brings fewer jobs and lower wages, which is preferred to the current high inflationary environment. Last week, September retail sales showed consumers have pulled back on durable goods such as home furnishings, electronics, and motor vehicles. September's consumer price report, which came in higher than expected, reinforced the need for the Fed to remain aggressive at its upcoming meeting in November. The report indicated that businesses are still able to increase prices to consumers to offset the higher cost of doing business. The data has moved the market's expectation for another 75 base point rate hike by the Fed at their next meeting to near 100%. After we learned that U.S. core inflation hit a 40-year high last week and concerns that price pressures are becoming entrenched, it dashed hopes that the Federal Reserve will dial back interest rate hikes. This week's economic calendar includes regional Fed manufacturing PMIs and housing-related news, more Treasury coupon supply, and the final Fed appearances before their blackout period begins, ahead of the November 1st and 2nd FOMC meeting. Ahead of that meeting, the latest page book will also be released on Wednesday. The week gets off to a quiet start, however, with just Empire State Manufacturing for October due out today, unlikely to have any impact on mortgage rates. Regarding MBS, Class C 48 hours is tomorrow. We begin the week with agency MBS prices better by an eighth to a quarter and the 10-year yielding 3.95 after closing last week at 4.01%. Let's wrap up with a joke and some housekeeping. When the graveside service had no more than terminated, there was a tremendous burst of thunder accompanied by a distant lightning bolt and more rumbling thunder. The little old man looked at the pastor and calmly said, Well, she's there. Thanks again to Erna, who's reinventing payment and data flows in real estate ecosystems, origination, mortgage, and fintech. To learn more, visit earnup.com slash Rob Chrisman. Questions about the podcast or sponsoring opportunities? Send me an email at Robbie at robchrisman.com. Visit robchrisman.com for more information on our industry partners, access to archived commentaries, and how to subscribe to the daily mortgage news and commentary. To listen to or download past episodes of this podcast, search Mortgage News on any platform you get your podcast from.